can relate with this. When you woke up in the night or perhaps you were seeking to go to sleep and you just couldn't fall asleep because your knees were hurting so badly. Anybody remember these moments? A lot of people in the room. Right, when we're talking about growing pains, we're not just talking about the seavers. We're talking about this thing that a lot of us have experienced in our life. My son is uh, 12 years old. And there are these nights when he crawls into bed, he's just been doing his thing all day long, and you hear this uh, sort of whimpering cry come from his room, asking us to come see him. We'll get in there, and he's like, my knees just hurt so bad. And it's like, Carter, I'm so sorry, you have a disease. It's called Osgood Schlatter's. And he'll look at you like, well, great, now it's all over, right? And it's like, no, here's the good news, so many of us have had it. And the pain is real. You do have inflammation below your kneecap. But listen, I had it when I was a little boy. And the beauty of it, son, is that the pain is there as a reminder that you're growing, right? What great news. And so, yeah, it's there, but you're growing, right? The pain is present, but the reality of that pain is that it's a sign of good things that are happening in your life. And I think what's true in the physical realm is also true for us in the emotional and spiritual and in sort of a general life kind of way as well. Life is hard, isn't it? Right? And growth is difficult at times. But here's the thing that we learn, especially if you're an adult in the room and you've been through some stuff, if you know what I mean, right? If you've been through stuff, one of the things you learn is in the midst of the pain and the frustration, the suffering that you inevitably face in life, there is growth. God causes you to become more and more the person that he wants you to become. Right? That's a beautiful thing. And so today we're looking at a character in scripture who I feel like is a gleaming example of an individual who had some growing pains along the way. We're going to be in the book of 2 Peter uh, through Lent leading up to Easter. And we're not just going to study the book, we're going to study the man who wrote the book. This guy Peter, one of Jesus' apostles, who had some fits and starts in his relationship with God, in his life, in the process of growing up into the man that God wanted him to become. And I hope that in the process of studying the life of Peter, studying his words in 2 Peter, that we'll take some steps in our growth as well. All right? You with me? Okay. So if you would, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 today. It's towards the end of the New Testament, which means it's way on the far right side of your Bible, right? If you see books like Psalms and Proverbs, keep going. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, keep going, keep going. If you hit Revelation, you went too far. Head back just a little bit. We're gonna read this together, all right? Here we go. Second Peter chapter one says this. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who've received a faith equal to ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. P.S., real quick, before we get too far into this passage, so significant that Simon Peter, an apostle of Christ, walked with him, talked with him, says that those who've received uh, faith in Jesus, who put their faith in him, have a faith that is not less than, but equal to that which he has in Christ. Praise the Lord, right? Which means that you and I have it as well. Verse two, may grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and our uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Verse three, 
His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he's given us a very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ." The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election because if you do these things, you will never stumble. Verse 11, for in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be richly provided for you. Church, this is my prayer for me today. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it is right, as long as I am in this bodily tent, to wake you up with a reminder, since I know that I will soon lay aside my tent as our Lord Jesus Christ has indeed made clear to me. And I will also make every effort so that you are able to recall these things at any time after my departure. I love that little last piece for me, right? As the preacher who stands in front of you today, may it be true that you're able to recall these things after I finish up today. Lord, we pray today as we come to your word that you would guide and direct us. Lord, I pray that you would take my words and that you would point them um, like a beacon, Lord, a light straight where you want it to go. Lord, we pray that uh, in all of what we do today that our ears would be open uh, to what you want for us to hear and how you want us to apply it to our lives. We love you, God, and we pray these things in your name. Okay, guys, so the first things first, right off the bat, right, starts with Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. It's important to remember as we work our way through this, that the author of the words that we are studying over the next several weeks is not just a man, but he is a man who walked with Jesus day in and day out for three years of his life, right? This is the same Simon Peter that Jesus called off the shores of Galilee. He's the same knucklehead who cut a guy's ear off in like the worst moment of defense of your master in the history of mankind, right? Same guy who walked on water, same guy who sank when he lost his faith, same guy who cowered in a boat when Jesus uh, caused the storm to cease, right? The same guy, right? The same guy who experienced all of these things in relationship with Jesus is the same guy who wrote these words, okay? He's the same overzealous and hot-headed and also lovable fisherman Jesus called. And it's important for us to remember these inspired words came from a man who walked with Jesus. Okay, so that's the first one. Second, remember that the audience in this particular passage is those who put their faith in Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. And that also means you and me, okay? So Peter's writing to these people, okay? Skipping down to verse three and four, it says, 
This is some, this is some heady stuff, by the way, so y'all hang with me today. Verse three and four says, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Verse four, by these things he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desire. What does that mean? Okay, so let's walk through this slowly. The first words you see there are the words, his divine power, okay? So this frames out kind of our discussion in these verses. We're talking not about our power or the power of a group of people. We're not talking about national power. We're talking about God's power, specifically his divine power, okay? And a power, this is important if you skip over just a little bit there, a power that we don't earn, a power that we don't seek out and grab, but a power that is given to us in Jesus, okay? a power that's given to us, so there's grace attached to this. There's something here that we have not earned but have been offered by grace, okay? And what has been given to us is everything required for life and godliness as well as great and precious promises by which we share in divine nature and escape corruption. So let's talk about those real quick, okay? Here it is in a nutshell. The gifts described here that come in abundance pertain to our salvation and the impartation of the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about giving, being given every blessing and these promises, what he's getting at is our salvation and the impartation of the Holy Spirit, right? To use imagery from John chapter 15, this kind of helps explain it to me this week. In salvation, we are grafted into the vine, okay? A branch grafted into the vine. And by the power and promises of God, through the Holy Spirit, we are filled with divine power that gives us everything we need for life and godliness and the ability to escape corruption. Okay, everybody following? Everybody with me? Here's the thing. Peter writes these words, and I think it's important for us to recognize that I think he's experienced this firsthand in his own life. Right, these aren't, I don't want to say this. Sometimes when you read an author, you think they've never experienced that. Uh, but in this particular instance, Peter is writing from a place of understanding that goes beyond sort of a cognitive, something he read in a book. It's something he's lived in his life. Think about this. Peter was a knucklehead. He was. He was exceptionally passionate. He loved Jesus deeply. But over and over and over and over again in his life, it's like he took these steps to try to become like Christ and display his faith, and he just couldn't do it in his own power. You remember that moment in Peter's life when he's standing there in the boat and he sees Jesus and he's like, whoa, that's Jesus walking on the water. I'm gonna do the same thing. He steps out of the boat and he starts taking these steps, but we're reminded that even in that moment of exceptional faith, he doesn't quite have enough faith to get all the way to Jesus, right? He's doing everything he can in his power to get there. And man, he believes in Jesus, but then doubt comes in and he falls in the water and Jesus has to rescue him, okay? Move forward in his life, he looks at Jesus and is like, Jesus, I will never, ever, ever, ever betray you. And then he turns around a very short time later 
And he betrays Jesus three times. And Jesus has died on the cross, and I'm sure in Peter's mind, he's thinking, I am a complete failure. I can't do this on my own. This is the story that Peter has actually lived. And yet, you see Jesus resurrect from the dead. You see Jesus go to Peter and reinstate him at the end of the book of John. You see in the book of Acts, the disciples all together receive the Holy Spirit And then suddenly, early on in the book of Acts, Peter goes from this guy who can't do a lot in his own power to the guy that God uses to bring thousands of people to know him in one single moment, right? And no longer is he the guy who is afraid to take the step, right? No longer is he the guy who's afraid of the consequences. He's the guy who's willing, even in our own passage today, who's willing to lay down his life for the gospel. And the question is, what's the difference? What happens in Peter's life? And the answer is, divine power came on Peter through the impartation of the Holy Spirit after he received salvation, after Jesus died, was resurrected, and the Holy Spirit came. This stuff is so important to the Christian faith, and sometimes we just forget to talk about it, right? Peter's a different guy, right? Same personality, same zeal for Jesus, but man, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes in his life, he's just able to accomplish things he never could before. This is so significant. And so when Peter writes right, that this divine power given by grace to him is able to allow him to, what's it say again? That passage, divine power given so you can accomplish everything required for life and godliness, right? He's lived that, he knows it firsthand. Okay, so that divine power that gives him everything he needs for life and godliness and then great and precious promises Right, so that through them you may share in the divine nature. All these are his through the Holy Spirit coming into his life after he's put his faith in Jesus and God comes, okay? So here's the point I'm trying to make this morning. Point number one is, one of the great mistakes of the Christian life is underestimating the power and importance of Jesus earning us a share in the divine nature and the Holy Spirit fueling it from within, okay? Let's keep rolling, okay? Verse five through seven, we're gonna go back and look at it. Here we go. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness, goodness with knowledge, knowledge with self-control, self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness, godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So to start, I think, think this is pretty instructive. I struggled with this this week. There in verse five, it says, for this very reason, we make every effort to supplement, it says, make every effort to supplement your faith, okay? That word supplement bothered me all week because like, though I am not a big time weightlifter, though I, I mean, you can tell, right? There's, there's no hiding it. Though I am not that guy, I do know that you take supplements a lot of times to compensate for a deficiency. And the question is, if I've been given everything right, in Christ, then where's, why is there a deficiency? Okay, those seem to not go together very well. Right, why, what does this mention mean, right? So the question is because in my mind, a supplement is something you take to make up for a deficiency, 
and we're just told that you have everything you need for life and godliness, where's the, you know, where's the break there? And here's what I think it is. I sat down with Steve this week. He's much more of a Greek scholar than I am and much smarter if I'm just honest about it. But uh, in that conversation, he just talked about what does this actually mean there? And here's what I think it means. When it says supplement, the idea there is to diligently assist, okay? Diligently assist, right? And what I think that probably on like more simple terms means is do your part. Do the part that's been given to you. I get this. Peter understands clearly that God has called Christians into a partnership with him. And y'all, this isn't new in scripture, right? Adam and Eve were called into a partnership. Moses called into a partnership with God. In every one of these instances across the board, God could have done all these different things throughout human history on his own, by his power, without our help. But over and over again, God seeks and shows his love from humanity by calling us into what he's doing and actually giving us something to steward, something to do in the process. So it's interesting, this particular passage says God's given us all these things by his divine power, but then immediately after that calls us to diligently assist in this process by doing this long list of things. Right? And God could take hold of this thing himself, right? but he chooses to invite us to be a part. So in this case, in their own growth, and in your growth, church, can God grow you completely on his own without your help? Absolutely. Surely. Will he someday fully complete the job? You better believe it. But for now, he asks you to contribute. Right? He does his part and asks you to do your part as well. And I know for some of you, you're like, blasphemy! But I just see it all over scripture. Okay? Dallas Willard once said, grace is not opposed to effort, it's opposed to earning. And one of the things I love about this passage is that Peter clearly shows us that there are parts of the pie that we have no responsibility for. We can't save ourselves. We can't fill ourselves with divine power. None of those are our job. But at the end of the day, there are some things he calls us to do. There are some things he calls us to do, ways he calls us to contribute. Verse eight, let's keep rolling. It says, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being useless that's a crazy word, or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. Therefore, brothers and sisters, make every, look at this word again, every effort to confirm your calling and election, because if you do these things, you'll never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly provided for you. Here's an interesting thing here. Again, a reminder that Peter's not writing siloed off from his own story. Can you hear the words of Jesus in John 15 talking about fruit as Peter works his way through the passage? All right, John 15 is this famous passage. In fact, let me read it to you. It says this, Jesus is talking. This is kind of his final words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. It's in this last section of his life, and he says, I'm the true vine, and my father's the gardener. Every branch in me that doesn't produce fruit, he removes, and he prunes every branch that produces fruit so that it will produce more fruit. 
You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. Just as a branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, neither can you unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches, and the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. If anyone does not remain in me, he's thrown aside like a branch and he withers. They gather them, throw them into the fire and they're burned. Verse seven, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it'll be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you produce much fruit and prove to be my disciples. So when Peter mentions fruit, remember that Peter sat under this teaching from Jesus firsthand. God's desire in our lives is that we would bear fruit. When Peter looks at his life and compares it with what God's done, he recognizes this is how God is producing fruit in my life. He gives me his power, right? And he calls me to play a part. God wants fruit from our life, right? So these are the words that open 2 Peter. The question for us today is this. I'm sweating like crazy up here today. Sorry, y'all. Houston is humid. Okay. The question is, what does this mean for you and me? And I'll tell you, I think we fall into two camps on this, okay? The first one is those who depend on God to do everything without the notion that you might have a part to play. Let me read that again. Those of us who depend on God to do everything without the notion that you might have a part to play in the journey of growing up in this life. All right, these are folks, and I think that there's a pure-hearted side to this. It's like, if I'm gonna grow, God's gonna have to do it. Right? There's a deep humility to the fact that I can't do anything, right? But I would just challenge that slightly and say, I think you can. I think you can. And that might be a lie that you bought. Can you do it on your own? No. But he's put the Holy Spirit in you Right, he saved you and brought you into the family. He's placed the Holy Spirit and his power in your life. And I think you actually can do something. And I think you should. So if today you're just like sitting back and you're like, I can't change and I can't grow. I'm just waiting for God to do it in me. It could be that what God's pushing you into is getting to work, right? Start doing the work, okay? But here's the other camp. I think this happens more in the church. It's not the only thing, but I think it happens more. It's those who depend on themselves to do everything without the notion that you might not have the power to do it on your own, right? right? Those who depend on themselves to do everything without the notion that you might not have the power to do it on your own. I wanna give you a word picture today to describe this. It really helped me this week as I was thinking through it. Can we throw up that picture of the tractor? There it is, that's a tractor. Big old John Deere, beautiful. Before tractors were a thing, right? So tractors came around, uh, I think the first petrol tractor was somewhere in the 1800s was built. Uh, before that, there were some tractors that had steam engines that ran. And listen, there, it cannot be overstated. Tractors changed the game when it came to farming. They changed the game, right? Why? Because before this time, instead of 
a tractor in front of that plow, you would have animals in front of that plow, which is good, right? You have oxen and horses who pull the plow through the fields and prepare the fields to uh, pull off a beautiful harvest. But here's the thing that you find is that those animals immediately and putting them in front of your plow take up like a quarter of what you're planting because they have to eat, right? And so in our instance, we put it back up there. Can we just leave it there for a second? Sorry, guys. Thank you. So the tractor was created and the tractor enabled mankind to do more in the process of farming than they could ever do on their own. Before, if I could go back one more step, before a tractor, there were horses and oxen. Before them, human beings, you've seen some of this, just pushed a plow through a field, okay? So here's the word picture that I'm trying to get at this morning. Everybody with me? Some of us, again, I said, one of our issues is that we depend on ourselves to do everything without the notion that you might not have the power to do it on your own. Some of us are like a farmer who's been given a tractor to pull the plow, and yet we insist upon the fact that we're gonna push it ourselves. You see that? And here's what happens. When you gotta push your own plow, you produce less. It's a lot harder day, right? When you get home at you know five or six o'clock at night, you've had a lot more strenuous day, your body breaks down, all these things go along with that. And then we, and this is kind of like the American way, right? We stand up and we were like, I had a great day's work, right? When you could have not only provided for yourself with a tractor pulling your plow, you could have provided for an entire community, right? Thank you. So like this, this word picture, I didn't, it's not a great illustration, but this word picture got me this week because I spend so much time trying to push my plow through the dirt when I have the power of the Holy Spirit to pull the plow through the dirt for me, right? I just don't use the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. I don't employ it. I don't spend enough time with God to know what he wants, to give me the path to walk on and empower it along the way, right? So some of you fall into this boat. You're trying to push a plow that God wants to pull. Okay, and listen, friends, growth in this life is difficult as it is, but for many of us, we make it far more painful than it has to be because we've got some things wrong. So here's your application today. It's three things, okay? Number one, some of you, point blank, just very clearly, I wanna say this, some of you need to put your faith in Jesus. You need to. You're here today, you feel the Holy Spirit in your life saying, I need a relationship with God. You need the power of God in your life. You can't do this life on your own, and you know it. You know it, and you've tried. Listen, you don't think Peter would look at you after the life he lived and go, look, I tried and tried. I walked with Jesus every day, and I still couldn't pull it off on my own. Right? I had to have the Holy Spirit. I had to have that salvation that put me in right relationship with the Father, and then the Holy Spirit that filled me with his power. Right, I had to have that. And I think he would say to you, you have to have it too. You can't do this on your own. So if you showed up here today, if you're new, if you're not, if you're online, if you're watching this in a month online, I don't know. 
and you're here, I just want you to hear this. God wants a right relationship with you. He wants to walk with you and he wants to empower the life that you've always hoped for in your life. But you've got to put your faith in Jesus first. Right? Got to repent of your sin, ask for forgiveness. Let God cover your sin by the blood of the cross. Usher you into his family that you might experience that life. If that's you today, I'm just gonna tell you right now before we do anything else, there's a card in front of you. We're not gonna wait till later. Today's the day you need to put your faith in Jesus. Grab that card now. Don't listen to the rest of my sermon. It doesn't matter. Fill out the card and put it in the basket and we'll follow up with you this week, okay? That's group number one. Group number two. Some of you need to come to the realization that God has asked you to contribute to your own growth. You need to accept responsibility for what you've been given. You need to value the fact that you've received grace and recognize that it's grace, an incredible gift. And you need to apply yourself to acquiring knowledge and practicing self-control and endurance and godliness and brotherly affection and love. And you need to know this isn't wrong. It doesn't make you less spiritual. It's simply how God designed the human experience. To some degree in this life, hard work does pay off. And you need to get to work, okay? You need to get to work. Last group, some of you need to come to the realization that you've spent your whole life pushing a plow that you weren't made to push. You've tried to do God-sized things with human-sized hands, and it's exhausting. And today, you need to abide in Christ and let his power flow through you to accomplish those things that you cannot accomplish on your own. You need to develop the disciplines of things like prayer and silence and solitude, scripture meditation. Because for you, the issue is that you're trying to bear fruit apart from the vine. Put that word picture, put that picture in your mind, right? A branch disconnected from the vine, trying to squeeze fruit out without a source. All right, that's not it. And some of you today need like, like, Peter's trying to implore us to do here. You want the fruit, hold on as tight as you can to the vine and let his power flow through you. And that's your, that's your application today. So here's the thing. I don't have a cool slick story to finish this out on that's gonna inspire you out the door, but I do have this. God has put the spirit in many of you in this room and you feel the conviction to move and act in one particular way or another. And I wanna encourage you, don't let these be words that you only hear. Be doers of the word as well, as scripture reminds us. Take these words today and apply them to your lives. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. I thank you so much for the story of someone like Peter who just shows us in just a plain story. Well, it's a pretty epic story, but through his story, what it looks like to go from being someone who is trying to someone who is fueled by the power of the Spirit in his life. And God, I just wanna pray for my brothers and sisters here today. Some of them are here and they don't know God and they haven't received the Holy Spirit and so they don't know that power. I want it for them, God. God, I pray you draw them to you today. God, there are 
others who are here today who are Christians and maybe have been for a long time who are just trying to push the plow on their own. And I pray that you would help them to recognize there's a better way. God, teach those people, me included, to abide in the vine. Hold on to you like our life depends on it. Let your power flow through us. And God, the truth is, for a lot of us, we're so unfamiliar with this, we don't even know what it looks like for your power to work through us. It's like we ignored the third member of the Trinity. But God, we need your spirit. We need your power. Some of us are walking through ridiculously hard times and we need your power, God, to get through another day. Some of us here have been given unbelievable dreams by you, but they're trying to push the plow instead of hooking it up to the tractor. And they can't imagine God, or they couldn't imagine being able to accomplish those things on their own, but that's because they don't recognize that you can do things that they can't. God, help us today. Help us to to know what to do. Help us to know what to believe. Help us to take Peter's words today because God, we wanna grow. We wanna grow. We wanna grow that we might produce fruit in our lives that blesses hundreds and thousands of people. God, would you bear fruit through us? We love you, Lord. We pray these things in your name. So glad that you joined us online today at Houston Northwest Church, where our vision is to make Houston more like heaven by helping Houstonians become more like Jesus. If you have questions about following Jesus or would like to talk to someone about next steps in your spiritual journey, text Jesus to 281-946-6500. Connect with us throughout the week by following us on social and enjoy a great day.